You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because we refuse to acknowledge the incoming podcast format. <laughs> my name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who is promising me a peaceful transition to the same show as always. I can't do intros today. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that and roll with it as it That's, is. To be fair, basically what we did... For this show, we were like, hey, let's just rename the show and hope no one notices. I know. <laughs> Leave out all that hard work stuff we used to do yeah. and just do the easy part. <laughs> yeah, just do the bit where I have to read a bit and laugh at stupid arguments. Yes, 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 yes. Benedict, how right was I? Oh, pretty right. Pretty right. Um, I was... So I did that thing that I think a lot of people on cable news did. Mm-hmm. Where... Freaking the fuck out? Well, no. It was just like I knew in theory that the republicans would have a huge lead on election night mm-hmm. and that, that it would be like a red mirage and then a blue wave yeah. but it it's really difficult to see someone have 65% of the vote or whatever overnight with 70% counted uh-huh. and then be like that's a normal amount that someone <laughs> can make up like so in theory i knew but then i'm like you know when it comes down to like 6 days later or whatever and it, there's only like a difference of tens of thousands between the two votes. It was still pretty close. Okay, but you must like, have texted me at least six times that you yeah, were worried. I was worried. And how I many like times did I tell you, dude, chill? It's yeah, gotta be lot, fine. But it was pretty close. <laughs> it was way, way too close for comfort. And also, the thing that actually worried me was just the the thing that set the tone for me was Florida being called early and i know it's florida blah 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 Mm -hmm. but like we we had the whole thing where like dems were supposed to be competitive in florida and then like it wasn't a thing where there was going to be a huge blue wave in florida like they called florida early and were Mm -hmm. like these are the results and they're way different to what you were expecting so then when you see someone up by 20 points with 70 percent of the vote counted in wisconsin it's a little more worrying (laughs) than it might otherwise have been you know i just look it's been a really stressful four (laughs) years and the next two months do not look like they will be any less stressful so look if you're me allow me my worry (laughs) if you've me and you've just given up on normalcy and you're just fine with riding this thing wherever it goes then you can enjoy these next couple months i don't think that's gonna work so well for you yeah i mean you can only flirt with authoritarianism so much before it fucks (laughs) you so like it's it's a lot (laughs) yes oh but anyways i mean we're here the election is passed 
Trump is finally going to be packing his bags, or, as I hope, being dragged out violently by Secret Service, uh, which would be great. Um, as much as I, <laughs> working in a landlord-tenant clinic in D.C., where I try and prevent people from being evicted. It's an eviction you can get behind. It's an eviction I can get behind, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. We're excited. Uh, and I mean, I just like I got to say all the coverage I've seen of this um, ignores the fact that this, in fact, was a, a great election for Democrats. Like, yeah, huge. I do not understand everyone with all this you know, on all sides just going Democrat. Like the Republicans, of course, are pl- trying to play the card. Well, we hung on to the Senate and we picked up seats in the House. Like, yeah, this was not the right year for Democrats to win the Senate. We were fighting against you in deeply red states, and Roger, yeah. you picked up a couple seats that you had lost in the last last election in the House again mm. in deeply red states where your guy just got enough turnout to get him back. But you still don't control the house. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to call it. Tommy Tuberville in Alabama <laughs> is like, well, look, we ran the person who was accused fairly conclusively of being a pedophile, yeah. and he did not win. So we ran literally anyone else, and he won comfortably. Yeah. So and yeah, that's uh, that was a lot. And then, so here's the thing, though: this election cycle year was the same as 2008, right? When Dems won 60 seats in the Senate or 59, 60. What do you mean? The, uh, what do you mean the year is the same? So they, they, they're on a cycle of every six years, right? Yeah. The Senate seats. So this is the same cycle as 2008 should let, be. Let me do that math real quick. Yes, it would be the same. It's the same The same cohort of seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... They're, I mean, I know they were deeply red states, I, but there, there shouldn't necessarily be a reason why, in theory, you couldn't get to a higher number. No, but I think we do have to acknowledge that Trump pulls out his rabid base and gets them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you saw how high the turnout was, right? Oh, that was yeah, on both crazy. sides. And obviously, Biden Which is, won by, by the way, a great thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. actually, for democracy, like, it doesn't... I, to some extent, I care who you vote <laughs> for, but I care more that people vote. Yeah. Like... I mean, and, and like like I said, like uh, Biden won, and when the votes are finally counted, at least anyways, he will have won by a wider vote margin than Hillary Clinton did uh, in the popular vote. Oh, right? by my, he already is. Right. By right. miles. Right. And so, uh, like, I get what you're saying about they should have been able, in, in theory, to do the same thing, but there are some changes we do have to recognize, right? Look at Ohio going deep red. Uh, mm, look at, uh, I mean, we were great. It was great no, that Ohio we picked Senate up. No Ohio Senate seats there this time, were there? I don't think there were any Ohio Senate seats going up, but I'm just talking about in general, right? The the ability of Trump to draw out his voters did have yeah. an effect. Two years from now, when we have the next round of Senate seats up for election, uh, A, mm-hmm. we have better chances just based on where those seats are, and B, uh, Trump won't be on the ballot, and I think we have a, a real actual shot. And I've, I've, I think I've told this to you a long time ago, right? Back when we used to do the old show, I'm pretty sure I told you once or twice, 2022 is when Democrats actually have a chance to yeah, take the Senate. I, you said 2020 was a, a no-go. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Um, but then this, all this stuff happened. I mean, yeah, any, really anything could happen because of just the insanity of everything yeah. that's going on right now. Well, I mean, people say that like something happens when he's on the ballot, which mm-hmm. is what they said about Obama too. And that turned out to be true. So I I totally buy it that, you know, people turn out for Trump and then happen to vote straight ticket Republican as well. And there's a there's a real I mean, not a great chance, but there's a chance that we win both those Senate seats in Georgia and end up having 50 50 split, 
which would be I'm making the prediction right now, by the way, that it will win one each. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a. De- I think Warnock has a better shot than Josh. I think Warnock will beat yeah. Leffler. I don't think Ossoff will yep. beat Purdue. Yep. So that's my. Uh, we both have the same prediction. So we'll just cool. see how that awesome. happens. Lock it in in a couple months. Lock it in for the end of year predictions. <laughs> Anyways, Benedict, why don't we get started with this shit show? You got any yes. hot takes for us this week? I do, and it is that fairy lights are extremely relaxing in <laughs> stressful times. <laughs> I see them strung up around you <laughs> right now, twinkling around my fireplace yes. behind the TV. Yeah. Well, you don't have the fu- you don't have the Netflix fireplace put on. I this don't. I don't. No, it's not. It's not a Netflix fire. It's it's too warm out for a. a fireplace tonight it's hot i don't know how it it's is too there, warm it's... for a fake fireplace yeah well, you know you don't want to trick your body into thinking there's a fire behind you it's, uh... yeah <laughs> yeah anyway so i this week as you may have known realized seen observed has been quite the stressful one <laughs> and overhead lights do not help that situation especially when they're really hot so and when you're really bald yeah, that's true. It's just like, it, it's just, you know, slowly cooking like an egg. <laughs> um, so just to be able to have only the fairy lights, the twinkly fairy lights has been very pleasant. Um, so yeah, that's my hot take. It's a very, it's a very calm hot take. By the way, did you see the CNN coverage was co- sponsored by Calm, which I think was the best piece of marketing <laughs> that I've ever seen. No, the no, Calm I don't app. think I saw that. I don't think I saw it was that. It's funny. It's like the re- like meditation app. Oh, yeah, I've seen ads for it all over the place. I just didn't see it on the scene. And I I did watch CNN because if there's one thing I'm going to watch during an election season, it is John King spending five hours in front of a a, a computerized TV screen trying to figure out which buttons to tap. So that is my election night jam. My my favorite thing is literally like Rick Santorum's face. (laughs) Being literally the embodiment of the sound of silence. Like... (laughs) It, you know, Trump came out and did his little presser where he was like, we're stealing the election, whatever. And it was like, you cut to Rick Santorum as Van Jones was speaking. And it's just like, <laughs> hello, darkness, my old friend. Speaking of pressers, okay. Benedict, speaking of pressers, is there anything better than the fucking Four Seasons? Is there oh, anything no. oh, better than the Four what Seasons, happened? my man? I, I would literally read... <laughs> epic sagas about that how came, how that came about like get me beowulf but about the four seasons total landscaping incident it'd be a lot of be- utterly betwixt bizarre. the porno shop and the crematorium <laughs> <laughs> yeah fun fact it is now my zoom background i'm not joking <laughs> apparently four and i found it online four seasons put out a zoom background of that wall where they had That's the press funny. conference i got it it's my zoom background now i'm so happy <laughs> Apparently, one of the people that was there with him was a convicted pedophile again. Yes, because they can't do anything right. And then just today, I know we're not talking about news, but come on, there's so much going on. We want to talk about this, and this chapter is so goddamn boring. But that, <laughs> but but just today, the Project Veritas scam they've been running for the last couple of days crumbled oh, yeah, apart, apart when that guy yep. recanted his statement. <laughs> when investigators were like, uh, did this really happen? And he was like, right. And if James no. O'Keefe, if J- and, and this is a case where James O'Keefe has done a lot of shady shit in the past, right? He fucking paid a guy to uh, say he was doing uh, ballot harvesting for Ilhan Omar and shit. But in this case, because they're claiming election fraud and they had this guy sign an affidavit under oath, if James O'Keefe induced him to do that in any way, he's committed another felony. <laughs> oh, cool. So everyone's going to jail. Yeah. 
It's great. Love man. to try and get my opponents thrown into jail uh, and end up in jail myself. That's it's wonderful mean. stuff. Anyways, my hot take. I don't know where we are. Uh, my Is hot Jacob take. Wall this in week. jail yet? Uh, he's on like... trial. He's on okay. trial. And God, I don't want that beautiful, beautiful star child to go to prison. That man is my everything. Kevin's he beautiful is, boy. Oh, my beautiful little boy. So many hours of laughter spent because of Jacob Wool. But uh, this week, my hot take. Um, uh, guillotines should come back. Oh, uh, That's my hot oh. take. Uh, I like that you didn't write that in the doc in case <laughs> Google Docs reported you. <laughs> yes, and I did, I did tell uh, you know who, whose name I will not say, Alexa. Uh, not to listen uh, when we were speaking about it. She does not Hi. respond to that well. Uh, she refuses no. to not listen to you. So <laughs> always on. Uh, that's the rule. But yes, the guillotine. The guillotine should return. Uh, I believe we're seeing a, a number of reasons why. One over in your House of Lords uh, and one in the White House here today. Of course, just for legal purposes, <laughs> what you mean is the the I mean the politically. I mean the, the guillotine ki- the kitchen, politically. The kitchen politically. tool for chopping carrots. Or, you know, if someone tries to pull a fast coup. Uh, I don't see a reason why not, but we'll see how that turns out around January right, well, 20th. I would like to distance myself. We'll, we'll see all around January 20th if we have a fascist yeah. coup or not. Benedict, uh, what's on your bookshelf this week? Dune. Dune! You read Dune. Dune! I read Dune. I finished it. It's such a fucking long book. It is. It is, but it's, it's actually such a not good that book. long. Like, it's just such a stupidly formatted book. <laughs> There's like three words on every page, okay. and two of them are kiss outs Haderach every and time. And I think right? we've talked about this so many times, but like everyone has the same version of Dune, which yeah, is that the extra tall, market. extra narrow yeah. version. I don't know why they printed it that way, but everyone has that version. Yeah. It's just fat and, fat and short, actually, mine is. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Great book. I'm excited you finally read it. Uh, classic yeah, of science fiction. Yeah, I didn't realize how old it was, too. I, for some reason, I thought it was at least after Star Wars, but it's not. <laughs> nope, nope, not at all. It's written in the 60s, for those that don't know. You gonna ask me? No. Okay. <laughs> What's on your bookshelf, Kevin? Well, on my bookshelf this week is... Uh, the Conscience of a Conservative by Barry Goldwater. <laughs> no, uh, no. I am unironically recommending The Conscience of a Conservative because I've been reading it. Uh, we did some selections from it on the last patron-only episode, which yeah, went up good. last week. and is, is Oh, it's a bad book. But I think the reason why I'm recommending it is there's so much insight if you can try, if you you know, if you know a little bit about the history of conservatism, uh, where their ideas come from, and how all these things like libertarianism and Ayn Rand bullshit all blend together into what we now have in modern conservatism, there's so much you can learn from reading that book about where it comes from and how they used to formulate their arguments versus what they say now, how much it's mm. been watered down and combined with other things, and how fucking crazy they are. I actually found it to be a remarkably entertaining read, but maybe that's just because I'm a masochist. Yeah, that's definitely why. <laughs> I can't that's help it. It's what no. I'm into. But that's definitely why. Yes, 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 yes. But anyways, Benedict, that's all gone. That's all done. Oh, I should say one more thing. Housekeeping. Uh, I haven't asked in a long time, but if you're a listener of the show, uh, rate and review us on iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Haven't asked in a long time, and I realize we don't have a very many ratings, uh, so fucking do it, people. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to say there. Share the show Get on it. all your Facebooks and the medias and all that stuff, and yeah, help us help us pick up some new listeners. We'd like to go, to, what we're doing, I should say, um, we are back this week to The Russia Hoax by Greg Jarrett. I'm not happy about it. Yes, 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 I know you're not. But we're back to The Russia Hoax. 
Uh, we're finally finishing it up, and like I mentioned uh, on last week's show, or, or the week before, whenever it was, um, Chapter 7.5 is still only available for patrons, so if you want to hear it, you have to go become a patron at patreon.com forward slash NYGBC, uh, but we're going to finish off this book. There are four more chapters we never got to before we stopped doing the old podcast we used to do, uh, so we have 8, 9, 10, and 11 to finish up. After that, we're going to go to sort of an... A different style for the interstitial weeks in between episodes of whatever book we're doing. We're going to have shorter, uh, sort of the style where I'm reading stuff to Benedict and he reacts, uh, which we've had some fun with over on the Patreon. Um, we've found some fun things that way. Uh, so there's going to be much shorter. They're probably going to be like 30-minute episodes versus our usual hour, hour and 15. Uh, we'd like to get back to doing a brand new book every week, but to get there we got to get some more patrons to uh, make it uh, worthwhile to be doing this. It does cost us some money to do the show, and, you know, Benedict needs some, some I don't know, what do you call Pocket that? Pocket money? No, I was going to say more like Rogaine money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the ball joke, I feel bad because the ball, not, cause, not right. for the ball it's jokes. Like, no, I have no problem making fun of you for your baldness. I feel bad because it's too easy of a joke and, and just yeah. doesn't, it's, it, it gets yeah, old. Come it on, gets old Kevin, at least insult my personality. I could be more creative with it is my problem. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, go become a patron, share the show, rate and review on iTunes, all that good stuff. But Benedict, we return to our long overdue book review of The Russia Hoax by Greg Jarrett, Soylent Tan. Benedict, <laughs> what did we read this week? <laughs> well, Gavin, this week we read chapter eight, which is Meeting with Russians is Not a Crime, in which Jarrett does a constitutional analysis of some tweets. Yeah. <laughs> it's about tweets. <laughs> We cannot find a single one of these books that isn't about tweets. They're it's all about, about tweets. Tweet. That's all they care about is tweets. <laughs> I am astonished that we have run into literally every single book we've done. We've done right. They have all quoted tweets, whether they're tra- any and discount the Trump tweets. Right? They're, if they're talking about Trump, they're gonna be quoting Trump tweets. But they yeah. always have to go into tw- tweets from people they dislike. To try and, you know, say, this is why they're so evil, or this is why we hate them. Or in Jarrett's case, to say, these people casually tweeting are wrong about the law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is not, in fact, a First Amendment violation to co- <laughs> for me to call you a dumbass. Like... Yeah. yeah. But, and in the case of this, this chapter, and specifically, it's Jarrett constitutionally checking much better lawyers than him. Much, By the way, much better lawyers also, than him. <laughs> also, I would love someone to go do, go full constitutional analysis on his shit where he was like, someone cut the Wi-Fi. This is against my First Amendment <laughs> rights to free yes. speech or something. It was so great that that happened just, what, a week before he This did chapter it. just reads very differently in the context of everything that's happened since this book was written. Oh, it like, definitely it, does. I, and they always do. Like, you go back and look at it and go, this is not what you were arguing at the time. Oh, whenever, yeah. whenever, you know, these are like snapshots in time of like, what will make the libs mad today? Well, Benedict, look, and it's very different. When I have now. the first page of this chapter opened, I can't help but see the last paragraph of the previous chapter where he, you know, wraps up his argument that was the opposite of what he says in this chapter. Oh, literally in the next <laughs> sentence, he's like, paying foreign nationals is a crime. Anyway, about foreign nationals, nothing wrong here. <laughs> All so there great, is man. is like chapter eight in between those two sentences, yes. and that's it. So for a brief recap, right, because we did the 7.5 for the patrons oh, yeah, only, and because it's okay, been a cool. while since we've, we've done this book fresh, right? Uh, <laughs> what he talked about in the last chapter was the uh, dirty dossier. And his completely false claim was it is illegal to pay foreign nationals for something related to an election campaign. That is 
completely wrong. It's just completely wrong. In fact, it is perfectly fine to pay them for things. It is not okay to take things from them for free. That is the distinction that the FEC, F, uh, the Federal Election Commission makes very, very clear. It's mm. perfectly okay to pay them uh, for services. It is not okay to take things for free. He has completely flipped that around in this book because, as we know, the situation in the real world is opposite where the guy he wants to be president and that he likes did the bad thing and took something for free, whereas the people on the other side correctly paid for the thing they were seeking. <laughs> so as we yep. always get to begin one of these chapters, he gives us a quote. And this one is from Thomas Paine from The Rights of Man, Part 2, Chapter 4. The quote is, quote, A constitution is not the act of a government, but of a people constituting a government. And government without a constitution is power without a right. As usual, that has nothing to do with anything that he will discuss throughout this chapter. Yeah. I, I mean, it. you know, Thomas Paine, great. One of my heroes, of course. But fairly meaningless quote honestly in mm -hmm. the context of this chapter absolutely like even if you tried to tie things back to that it's just like hey the constitution exists and is important oh like, yeah that sure oh yeah i agree oh and i should say before we move on we forgot alternate chapter titles benedict you got an oh, alternate yeah. chapter title for us <laughs> meeting with russians is not a crime unless it is <laughs> yes that is good uh mine was very simple it was read the previous page greg because <laughs> that's all i could think of when i was looking at this first page here so we begin with him saying, quote, Why are foreigners on American soil allowed to volunteer their services and provide information to political campaigns in U.S. elections? The reasons should be obvious. The Constitution. That seems wrong to it, me. It is. I, don't, I mean, I, I, disclaimer, not a lawyer. Very much not a lawyer. Well, but that seems <laughs> not right. He does skip down one, one sentence there, and he says, as long as the information conveyed is neither stolen nor classified, there is no crime. So, <laughs> ah, well, well, here's the about problem that. here, Greg. <laughs> well, we've identified the issue here. Yeah. Both of those so, things apply to the stolen DNC emails and Hillary Clinton's emails. Another thing also... The First Amendment is not an absolute thing, right? Like, th there are cases, especially around government, where Absolutely. the First Amendment does not... For example, although it's been flagrantly disregarded many times, the Hatch Act mm -hmm. prevents government employees from saying exactly what they might want to say and expressing, expressing themselves freely by saying that federal employees cannot campaign for a government... For, sorry, cannot work for a campaign on federal property or on federal time, right? Yep. That's the roughly the yep. they can't what do that it is. in their official capacity. That's yeah. correct. So that is that is a limit on the First Amendment. <laughs> so look, we found one. One which his guy his guy has you know flagrantly flaunted throughout his entire presidential career. Flagrantly flaunted. That's a tongue twister. Right? But, but I managed to get through it. You did. I almost didn't. I was I, <laughs> I repeated it and I was like that was hard. I'm not gonna try again. So what we're gonna start out here with is the Trump Tower meeting. And he's going to give mm. us a little bit of an overview. And, and I got to say, right, about this chapter, it being so pointless um, is mainly because his legal analysis is, for some things in here, mostly correct. When we get to the, the funny, the, the ridiculous shit later, yeah, he's, he's mostly correct on his analysis. But it's yeah. completely irrelevant and nonsense. Well, I mean, the, the two things I noticed are, A, it's like... Okay, let's take everything everyone I like says at face value and just not do any analysis analysis of it at all. That's where we're going to be at. Completely secondly, ignore the entire context around yeah. all of it as well. And and secondly, the other thing is like, and as you can see, I have proven there is no crime. And he's like, yes, that is why there were no charges. <laughs> like, yes, you're right. But like nobody really seriously ever thought there was a 
a crime here. A lot of, I mean, maybe people did. I don't know, but I don't think that anyone, you know, it never in it was never like in the court system, right? Like I'll, nobody charged Donald Jr. with a. I will follow the line that uh, the great prosecutor, Mr. Mueller, followed in saying that Donald Trump Jr. was clearly too stupid to know he was committing a crime and thus was not. Yes, I think that's... uh, That should not be a rule, first of all. (laughs) Intent? You don't think intent should be a rule? I mean... TBD. I don't know. I think all crime should be banned. Okay. Well, we start off here, and he gives us a basic overview, a very stilted overview of the June 9th, 2016 Trump Tower meeting, where, of course, we know Donald Trump Jr. and others met with Natalia Veselnitskaya, uh, nice. a Russian lawyer with connections to the Kremlin, which he sort of sarcastically throws aside those cr- connections to the Kremlin, uh, in as much as pretending she didn't actually work for oligarchs uh, in the Russian Federation. Yeah, and also the fact that we just kind of paint over the... the he, he does the, oh, she was pressing her case that Russian adoptions in the U.S. should resume, painting over the fact that what that is about is the Magnitsky Act, yes. which were sanctions placed upon Russia as punishment. So, I mean, this is kind of a bigger a bigger thing than that. Like, it's about Russian sanctions is what this is about in the guise of... Right. Adoption should be allowed. To and right, we've got to paint a little bit of the context that Jarrett completely leaves out or discounts, right? And that being, A, obviously we know the Russians did in fact interfere with the 2016 election in a number of ways. The disinformation campaign providing, uh, you know, the hacked emails, they definitely mm. came through Russia, we know that, uh, and all this other sort of stuff, which he just out of hand discounts. Doesn't yeah, I, 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 think, I think we should just say as well, because there's a lot of bad faith analysis about, especially right now, about like oh Russia hacked the election, but you don't think people could like do mail-in ballot fraud? Nobody ever seriously claimed that Russia hacked the election and changed the results, right. which is what a lot of people pretend to understand. Mm-hmm. We we mean when we say this stuff. What we say is what actually happened is that there was a disinformation campaign to create confusion and apathy in American voters and thinking that both people are the same or everyone's as bad as each other. That's the actual effect that Russia had on, on the election and, and it suppressed turnout probably and caused a few people to hold their noses and vote for Trump because they thought Clinton was just as bad as, as Trump was. So nobody actually thinks that Russia hacked into our election systems and changed votes. By the way, that whole Hillary being as bad as Trump was thing, uh, now, provably incorrect. <laughs> Not right. We, we have evidence now. <laughs> yeah, we, we tested that shit. <laughs> yeah, we put it through the scientific process. Yep, uh, we, did a, we did a control group and everything. Yeah. It just... But a little bit of other important information that he obviously doesn't want to discuss with regards to the Trump Tower meeting, Russia, all that. And that obviously, and he sort of got into this, but... The fact that the initial opening contact that got Donnie Jr. into this meeting was a promise that this would provide damaging information about Hillary Clinton and what he barely touched. I mean, he puts it in there because he quotes the email directly, but that it is part of Russia's support for his father's campaign. Right. I feel like that's very important to highlight that yeah, this was part that's good context. Very good context. And it's part of the reason why we should not believe Donnie Jr. when he says it was all about Russian adoption. Also, when he says, if it's what you're saying, I love it, let's meet. Like he knew what this was yes. supposed to be and was trying to do a crime potentially. Yes. Like it's 
Connect that also with Donnie Jr.'s contact with WikiLeaks, his mm-hmm. open DMs, which they slid right into, uh, as well as fucking Roger Stone knowing the emails were going to be released, reaching out to Guccifer 2.0, having contact with Guccifer 2.0, and of course his infamous tweet about John Potesta and it being his time in the barrel days before the emails were released. Yep. Roger Stone fucking knew. Roger Stone was and remains very connected to everyone in Trump's orbit and Trump himself. Did Trump pardon him? He did, yes, right? Yes, he did. I've lost track of all the felons he that did. Trump has pardoned. And I have yeah. zero doubt whatsoever that at the very least, if Donnie Jr. was too stupid to get the information, that Roger Stone told Trump that the emails were coming. I have very little doubt that he did that. Absolutely none. So... We get into what we talked about a little bit earlier when he goes after individuals for their tweets because he gives us, you know, the tiny little bit about the, the Trump Tower meeting. And then he jumps mm. straight to Twitter. Tweets. Uh, <laughs> tweets. <laughs> where he's talking about when all this came out. Tim Kaine, Lawrence Tribe, and Richard Painter. These are three individuals he's going to talk about specifically. But to get in with uh, uh, Tim Kaine, he called it potentially treason. Uh, Lawrence Tribe, uh, who's a famous law professor at Harvard, co-founder of the American Constitution Society, and one of the greatest constitutional scholars in our country, uh, had tweeted out that, quote, attempted theft of a presidential election in collusion with Putin is a serious felony and a high crime against the state. And then Richard Painter, who is the famous... I mean, he is famous, uh, White House ethics lawyer. He's, he does a lot of uh, cable news appearances and does not move, move his mouth when he speaks. I cannot understand how that man talks without moving his jaw at all. <laughs> check, I don't think I've ever check seen Check all the video footage you can find of Richard Painter. The man's jaw is wired shut. He has never okay. moved it once. It is right. unbelievable. Either that or he's doing an incredible, incredible, uh, fuck, what do you call that? Uh, ventriloquism incredible ventriloquist performance <laughs> right yeah one of those two so he he gets into this right he says all these men are lawyers who got their degrees at harvard or yale but their claims have little support in the law no support in the law and one of the things he brings up to to try and uh you know hit tribe and painter specifically is to say that they sued him immediately after he he got into office saying that his business holdings violated the emoluments clause which they do um <laughs> And then he's to, to shit on them, he says, that case was later dismissed, but it would suggest they already had discernible bias against the new president that shaded their inflammatory condemnations. The reason why that lawsuit was dismissed was because of standing, not on the merits of the case, is because mm. we don't have taxpayer standing in this country, where as a taxpayer, you can bring a case against someone just because they violated some constitutional duty. Or something like that. You can't do that in the United States. That's probably a good thing, given how crazy people are about the way their taxes are spent, I would yes. say. Yeah, that but is... Given uh, all the libertarians <laughs> in this country, I'm pretty... Like, nothing would ever get through the... Like, in, done in any court ever. Yeah. We'd need a Supreme Court of 58 people. But then... Flip over also, the- my favorite bit coming up next, I'm sure you were about to say this, but the self-dunk of being like, lawyers are fucking dumb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How dare you, Greg Jarrett? How dare you? But so on the next page, after he you know makes fun of the tweets, he's a lawyer. He is. He's a a very bad lawyer. We've talked about how bad he is as a lawyer. Lawyers suck and are dumb (laughs) and have way too high an opinion of themselves and how the sound of their own voices. Benedict, there's an implied except me in that statement. You should know know. that by now. (laughs) 
But so on the very next page, he starts to do a treason analysis yeah. of Donnie Jr.'s conduct with the Trump Tower meeting. Is this is, really treason? Like, okay, ignore the fact that obviously they were all speaking colloquially, uh, just saying, yeah, fucking treason. Because the common understanding of treason is just that betrayal, you know, of, betrayal your of your country. Yes, yeah. yes. But he is correct in his, Greg Jarrett is correct in his legal analysis that treason is limited under the Constitution because the Constitution says, quote, treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid or comfort. So treason is limited under the United States Constitution to just that. And it you know, goes through a line of cases where it has to be. Uh, he doesn't discuss it much, but um, it has to be in times of actual war where we at war with other nations. Then you can commit treason in that way. But Would that you say, matter. just just out of interest, that telling your supporters not to uh, commit to legal election results and to fight against them, would you say that could count as treason? Just out of interest. I would say, actually, no, it wouldn't count as treason okay. because okay. it's not in support of an enemy of the United States who we're in war, at war against uh, or giving aid or comfort to any of our enemies. It would count as a whole host of other things if, as he seems primed to do, um, <laughs> He decides not to give up the office of the president. Yep. That would count as a whole host of, of crimes, I believe, if he cool, tried to cool, do cool, that. Cool, cool, cool. Just to or tried to, to operate a government in exile or some sort of insurgency, whatever the fuck yeah. it might be. If Those would like be a an variety an of crimes. president like we had the anti-pope for a while, that was yeah. fun. <laughs> yes, yes. But keep in mind, right, he's going to talk about treason, completely ignoring... Lawrence Tribe's much more reasonable tweet about it being a serious felony and high crime against the state, right? That's a much more reasonable thing to say. High crimes and misdemeanors. Yes, What's absolutely. that from? High crimes and misdemeanors? The impeachment yeah. clause. Ah, okay, the impeachment yeah. clause of the Constitution, yes. But high crime is a much more vague phrase, I think, just referring to vague. crimes that are very serious uh, against a, the U.S. Bad, this is a bad crime. Yeah. <laughs> So he, of course, runs through and says, ah, it wasn't treason by any stretch of the imagination. Obligatory Dershowitz reference, by yes, the way. Yes, God had it. it. God had it. He mentions that we're not at war against Russia, obviously. And then he gets to, of course, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, who he points out were convicted of <laughs> espionage, not? not treason, which I would say, yes, I think that's what we could get Donnie Jr. Yeah. for. And, and that is the appropriate charge here, too. Yes, well done. You've identified it. And I didn't bother to get into a legal analysis of espionage. It may be limited to giving away secrets rather than getting them. I don't know. Also, weren't they given the death penalty, like, very famously? Yes, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were both killed uh, so for giving So it's not secrets. a lesser conviction. No. That's like, no. It's not like, oh, slap on the wrist for espionage. Like, yeah. Uh, but he gets to now, quote, if meeting with a Russian lawyer or any other person connected or associated, however directly or indirectly, with the Kremlin was a crime, then a multitude of U.S. politicians who have met with Ambassador Kislyak might somehow be guilty of breaking the law. And to which that I would say, well, we know that several people in the Trump administration who met with Kislyak broke the law. Yes, which we will get to <laughs> but, later. But also... Uh, it's that uh, it's the fucking gaslighting of pretending that the argument here is that it was just about meeting with Russians. And it's mm. not just about meeting with Russians. It's that the fact that we know we can't trust Donnie Jr. to say he didn't get anything from that meeting or that all they talked about was just adoption. We just know we can't trust Donnie Jr. Because, A, when this information came out, he fucking lied about it in several different ways over a period of days before finally getting his story correct. And, yeah. B... You can't fucking trust Donnie Jr. No, uh -oh. never, 
No, I mean, it, it, legitimately never, because he will tell you that he was stood on a picnic table at a frat house surrounded by screaming girls when there is <laughs> photographic evidence of like one person stood on a chair oh, trying to get a photo. Of him. I still love that fucking picture. I love I that know, fucking so picture, funny. man. Uh, but he does. He does pause it for us. One thing that might be a crime. And he says, quote, the only conceivable crime that might have some distant application can be found at 18 U.S.C. 371, entitled Conspiracy to Defraud the United States. In two cases, the U.S. Supreme Court broadened the statute to make it a felony for two or more persons to enter into an agreement to interfere or obstruct a lawful function of the government. Any election would be a lawful government function. However, the agreement must be done by deceit, craft, or trickery, or at least by means that are dishonest. So then... He goes into an analysis of that and concludes, yeah. how is that deceitful or dishonest? He didn't yeah. do anything the dishonest hacking? here. Hacking? Yeah. It's not as though we only found out after he got caught. Yeah. And as though it's not like, I don't know, maybe he did learn some information and never knew, of, you know, never told anyone about it. And because nobody who was at that meeting will speak honestly about it, we don't know what actually happened there. And, you know, there's an entire possibility that it wasn't entirely deceitful and dishonest. Mm. It's bullshit, man. It's also, total fucking it, it, bullshit. It's just like, that my, <laughs> A, it's the snowball of inferences thing again. Yes. And B, there's just so many analogies that are like, he could have done this other thing that's not what he did, and that wouldn't have been a crime. <laughs> so what he did can't have been a crime. Like, that's not, again, what? He was like, he right. could have, what does he say? He says, oh, the Trump campaign could have repeated a truthful claim against Clinton published in Pravda. Like, okay, sure. But that's not what happened. Yes. But we get to the next reason why we shouldn't believe anything untowards happened here, and that is, of course, because Miss Veselnitskaya herself said nothing happened. And, of course, you got to believe now-convicted felon Natalia Veselnitskaya. Yeah. Kremlin operative Natalia <laughs> Veselnitskaya, famous for telling the truth of course, all times. Yeah. Of course, you have to believe her with her, I think it was either wire fraud or securities fraud uh, conviction that she now has. I don't remember which one it is. But either way, convicted felon. We, of course, have to believe her. And her ex her reason for why that initial email sent by the uh, uh, Putin associate to Donald Trump Jr. Uh, suggested that, that she would be giving negative information about Clinton was because he was exaggerating. He was just trying to get the meeting. Come yeah. on. There's nothing more yeah. to it so than that. We, we tricked him with a, with a crimes were here folder mm -hmm. that he clicked on, and then we downloaded malware onto his computer, exactly. and now we own him. Oh, I would. Click, I'd be click willing here for to Clinton bet. Crimes I would be so willing to end. bet you that all of the Trump children have been victims of phishing scams. Oh, all 100%. of them. All of them. Who, uh, <laughs> click here to find out who Donald Trump's favorite child is. They have met Ooh. a few Nigerian princes in their lifetimes. Uh, so he then says, right. If the president's son accepted the file with the full understanding that it was illegally obtained, then it is possible he could be accused of knowingly receiving stolen property. But there is no evidence this ever happened. Oh, end of story then. I guess we can move on. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, nothing else to see here. But he says there's one final law to be considered, and this is the one that I think most people believe was most likely violated by this meeting, and that is campaign finance law, mm. uh, to which the FEC makes it clear that it's unlawful despite what he says in this chapter, uh, to get things for free from foreign nationals. Now, here's what he says about this situation. Quote, 
the exact opposite of what I said. The FEC makes it clear that it is pers- perfectly lawful for foreign nationals to be involved in American political campaigns. And then he quotes from an explainer sort of FAQ that I actually found uh, on the FEC's website. And it says, quote, Even though a foreign national cannot make campaign contributions, he or she can serve as an uncompensated volunteer for a campaign or political party. If he thinks that applies to this situation, he is a much worse lawyer than even I thought he was. Yeah, you thought he was bad already, so that's not that's not great. Providing information on behalf of the Russian government to Donald Trump Jr. is not serving as an uncompensated campaign volunteer in the slightest. No. In the no. slightest. That what that means is get out the vote efforts, presumably, and door knocking and and well, there are, there are examples I've found uh, through a tiny bit of research. For example, where a foreign national did a campaign concert. Um, mm-hmm. So they just did it. They showed up. They did it. And the, the distinction that needs to be made is that you are, as a foreign national, allowed to volunteer personal services. Uh, and so, for example, showing up and doing that concert, the concert, all the setup, everything, the lighting, it was all paid for by the campaign. The individual just showed up and did their act and then left. That was got it. Got it, got it. In this case, we have a lawyer who is being paid by her firm, a Russian firm, to do this, to show up. Even if she's just doing this in her capacity as a lobbyist, she's being paid by another firm. And so, A, we have the compensated prong of the test there, right? So she's not uncompensated. And they specifically spell out, quote, as long as they are not compensated by anyone else. That is in the analysis, and okay. she certainly was compensated by someone. She didn't show up to this meeting out of the goodness of her heart. No. She was paid. This was part of her job to do this. So it's definitely not uncompensated. It's not volunteer activity. And then we have the personal services part of it, right? And this was definitely not personal services. This was her services as an attorney for the Russian government or whoever she was specifically working for at the time. A law firm that, I, if I had to guess, was being paid by certain oligarchs connected to the Russian government. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what he says on, on the next page where, like, the, he quotes the value of services provided without compensation by any individual who volunteers on behalf of a candidate or political committee mm-hmm. is not a contribution. Right. Right. So that's that's the piece of text there. That OK, that I mean, again, missing context from what you've said. Interesting. Yeah. And he, he then goes into a little bit more. Right. When he goes into an analyzing whether information is a thing of value. Right. And, and I can basically just pull simply from opening arguments and what Andrew Torres has said in that the fact that the DNC paid for the dirty dossier and the information that came along with it shows mm. that information is a thing of value, specifically yeah. the amount they fucking paid for it. At least, yeah. <laughs> but he tries to say that information is a service and is permitted to be given by a foreign national who volunteers. This is such a loose reading of the English language and stretching words so fucking hard to get yep. them into the bucket he wants them to sit in. It's it's just ridiculous. Isn't that just what lawyers do, though, Kevin? No, that is not what lawyers do. <laughs> lawyers typically do a much better job. But I think when we talked about Greg Jarrett's background, he was a relatively minor, insignificant lawyer. I don't remember what firm who didn't really have much of a career. He only worked in the law for like five or six years or something. Uh, hasn't had uh, an active bar license in like 20 years, I think. Don't quote me on this, but I don't remember. I don't remember, but I think that was correct. So he's, A, he's a very bad lawyer to begin with. He went to one of the worst law schools in the country. But B, he hasn't done any actual law in a long fucking time. So Mm -hmm. I I don't want to give him an excuse for this shitty analysis, but he's very fucking bad at it. 
And then finally, he ends by telling us, prosecutors could never bring a criminal case against Trump Jr. because they would have had to show he knew he was somehow breaking the law in collecting information from a foreign national. And to that, I would say, yes, he's correct. And I agree with Robert Mueller that Trump Jr. is too dumb to know he was breaking the law. <laughs> All right, let's do, uh, let's do Kislyak and Flynn. By yes. the way... Uh, <laughs> I, I note that they, he doesn't spend ages being like, and Flynn never committed any crime because uh, <laughs> Flynn was convicted of crimes. I don't know if, I don't remember when this book came out and if it was before or after Flynn uh, was charged. I don't remember that. But if I had to guess, I mean, I know I've seen Greg Jarrett tweets and things where he's obviously in support of Flynn. Um, mm. So if I had to guess, if he wrote an extra chapter, he would just say that this is all, it's all trumped up charges against Flynn and it was a lie all along and... Thank God Trump pardoned him because he got exactly what he deserved. Justice through that pardon. Came out in 2018. Oh, no, Flynn hasn't been pardoned. That's right. <laughs> I might no, think Flynn no. was pardoned. Was he pardoned? Who knows? Probably. Why, I feel like Flynn has been pardoned. I Why am I? So. Hold on. Now I have to know. I think he's been pardoned. No, Flynn has not been pardoned. Who has been pardoned that I thought was Flynn? Oh, my God. Who knows? Roger hey, we got two months left. Trump's going to throw out as many pardons as he can possibly do. Surely. We move on to the next subsection in this chapter, which is titled The Kislyak Meeting at Trump Tower. And this is where we get into some real way believing people too much who shouldn't be believed. Yeah. <laughs> right. For example, Jared Kushner. Jay Kush. So this is the situation, if you don't recall, where Jared Kush had a meeting with Kislyak at Trump Tower, uh, along with, uh, I don't remember what general, there was uh, some, I think it might have been Flynn. It might have been Mike Flynn who was supposed to be... Uh, uh, involved with it as well, uh, in which they attempted to set up a back-channel communication with the uh, Russian Federation through the fucking secure communications facility of the Russian embassy. Yeah. <laughs> which does not sound good, does it? Also, I like how his immediate example was, you know what? John F. Kennedy had a back-channel communication to the Soviets in, in 1962, 1962. <laughs> when John F. Kennedy was famously president. So, Yes, 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 yes. Uh, that, was, that made me laugh pretty hard because he does. It, in order to, to dull right, the obvious thing that really did happen, he goes through, I don't know, a page and a half, two pages of how... Back channels are normal. Back channels happen all the time. And I would say, right, the back channels or open communication between an incoming administration and a foreign government are not uncommon. We just saw today Biden taking phone calls with all sorts of uh, leaders across the world. That's not strange. What Kushner did is far out of the ordinary. And for several reasons, we'll get into. So he spends a little time here trying to, to talk about uh, back channels, why they're important. He does go over how the Logan Act, nobody has ever been charged under. He's probably correct there. Again, it's another one of those things where this is just basic blasé uh, legal analysis. He probably stole from somewhere else he read. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you he didn't do any fresh legal analysis of his own on that. So the Logan Act probably wouldn't work if you tried to charge anybody on it. But then he gets into what actually happened with Kushner and what Kushner said before congressional committees when he was questioned about these things. And I'm just going to read from Kushner's statement himself, and this, this should be clarifying. Quote, he wanted to convey information, and this, this is Kislyak, he wanted to convey information from what he called his generals. 
He said he wanted to provide information that would help inform the new administration. He said the generals could not easily come to the U.S. to convey this information, and he asked if there was a secure line in the transition office to conduct a conversation. General Flynn or I explained that there were no such lines. I asked if they had an existing communications channel at his embassy where we could use where they would be comfortable transmitting the information they wanted to relay to General Flynn. The ambassador said that would not be possible, and so we all agreed that we would receive this information after the inauguration. So, Kushner did exactly what he was accused of and admitted to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he tried to set up a back channel. Yes. Right. But, but and this has come up, right? We, are, we have, in some ways, the huge benefit of a lot of hindsight on this now, that we've been past yeah. it for a while now, because this is obviously very early on in the administration, Thankfully, we're near the end of that administration. But what's so revealing now is, and I think because people had time to think about this, is, okay, we heard Kushner's testimony. People immediately went, wait a minute. If they had information about Syria, why the fuck didn't they just call the Obama administration that was in fucking office? Still president, yeah. Still fucking president. If they had information, they had appropriate channels to give it to the current U.S. administration who would then pass it on to the incoming administration when it was time. It makes no fucking sense. We, there was something fucking hinky going on there. Yeah. And it, he just like, he loves to just blame the media for all of this, which is just a oh, wild yeah. reaction. He's like, the media is taking him out of context by quoting him. Uh, okay. <laughs> and there's something very ironic about someone whose only job is to be a talking head on media to complain about the media. There really yeah. is something interesting yeah, about that. Yeah, it's like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson being yeah. like, the media hates you. Like, do they? <laughs> do you? I, I mean, that's just Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity's job By is to the complain way, about the Tucker media. Tucker Carlson being like, they're going to force you all to drink Starbucks like it's 2003 <laughs> all over again was the funniest thing that came out this week. But Benedict, those Starbucks are just going to be in plain red cups. Disgusting. How on fucking terrible is this? More but yes, Christmas. you're right. He complains about the media and talks about uh, how they they uh, went into how Kushner's security forms were filled out incorrectly, omitted Which a bunch of context. Which they were. Exactly. They absolutely were. And he does lay out that, yeah, these forms are hard to fill out and tough. And the point I would say in counter to that is when you're Jared Kushner, you have a team of lawyers who do that for you. Yeah. And there are... And also, it's not like... I'm sorry, maybe the assistant did send send it before it was ready, but that shit does not happen. And Multiple also, times. Exactly. And also, the other thing is, when you're going to be a high-level government advisor, you have to be competent enough to make sure things aren't sent before they're done. Yes, and I would also point out, right, just to continue on with this bashing of Jared Kushner, which I fucking love, that Jared Kushner had to have Trump intervene to get him a security clearance. Because yeah, he true. wasn't qualified for one, and they didn't, he was too risky to give a security clearance. Yep. yep, yep God yep. damn, it's ridiculous. So, What's that Netflix show about him, Dark Money? Is oh, it? man, you got it. Uh, it's uh, Dirty Money. Dirty Money. You got to check. If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. That whole series uh, is wonderful, you know, short one hour documentaries about, uh, you know, they go into like the, the VW emissions cheating scandal. Um, and the, the first season has an episode about Trump and like his uh, casino deals and all that kind of stuff. 
And yeah, Kushner, they do one about him in the second season. I highly recommend Dirty Money. It's an incredibly, because I, I love documentaries. I'm a huge documentary guy. And I understand a lot of the times documentaries are just entertainment. Uh, but these are incredibly well done. Um, and I can't remember who the producer of it is, of the series. But he's, you know, one of those Academy Award winning documentarians. He's the guy who did uh, the Enron documentary that uh, everyone's mm. seen. Uh, that has that creepy opening where he's talking about, what are they doing in there? That whole thing. I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I do. Yeah. Uh, anyways, why don't we start talking about bad stuff again and, and not forget we're doing this book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> moving on Jeff to the next, the next subsection entitled Sessions Interactions with Kislyak. And I will say, right, he is mostly correct about Jeff Sessions yeah, in sure. this, this subsection of the chapter, in as much as... Jeff Sessions, at least, compared to everyone else, did have Understood valid reasons. Law. Yeah. yeah. Did have valid reasons to be meeting with Kislyak because he was on the Armed Services Committee. Um, so it makes sense that he would have had meetings with ambassadors and things like that. Um, but I think a lot of people, and a lot of people did jump to conclusions because at that point, we did know about the Russian interference in our election. And we were yeah, all like, what also, the fuck is this shit? To be fair, Sessions did recuse himself, which uh-huh. was the appropriate response to the accusations yeah and but i mean the only thing he really has to drop in here besides you know that basic like uh, he had a reason to be meeting with russia is like pointing out that claire mccaskill said she had never met with uh kislyak and then uh, apparently she had forgotten there was a, a photograph of her meeting with him him twice um <laughs> and then this line which i thought was great as mentioned earlier officials in the hillary clinton campaign also met with kislyak according to a kremlin spokesman However, almost no one accused Clinton of colluding with Russia. Well, there's a pretty big reason why there. Because obviously... She's Secretary of State at the time. <laughs> well, no, no, we're talking about the campaign. There's a pretty big reason why no one would think that she was colluding with Russia. And I think it's pretty obvious it's because they were working for Donald fucking Trump. <laughs> they yeah. weren't trying to get Hillary Clinton elected. Jesus no, Christ, and also, like, people. you can meet with the Russian ambassador, presumably, during a campaign. That's not a huge, like, in an official event. I don't crazy. remember the specific circumstances in which Hillary, um, in- Hillary campaign individuals met with Kislyak, but I think it was, like, something very benign. Um, I don't remember what the, the specific circumstances were, but it was, like, nothing on the level of what Kushner or Trump Jr. or any of these fuckers did. Uh, yeah. It was just something more benign. And this is, again, them trying to play the both sides-ism, right? Like, pretending that this is equivalent to the people who did get shit from Russia uh, that, you know, dirtied up Hillary and got them the election, pretending that that's equivalent to fucking someone randomly meeting with Kislyak from the Clinton campaign who didn't mm-hmm. have an obvious reason, motive, opportunity, all that kind of stuff for getting shit from the Russians and who we know fucking the Russians didn't help, right? So that's basically it in this chapter. But as I always do, I will read the final paragraph, which is as follows, quote. Also, one second. It's funny that Trump hates Sessions now. Oh, yeah. Always. Always, Extremely of course. Funny. And I'm sure Greg Jarrett hates... I know Greg Jarrett hates Sessions, too, because I did look it up last night when I was reading this chapter. Oh, right. How does Greg Jarrett think of Sessions now? Not a fan of the guy. Not great, yeah. Nope. But the final paragraph is, quote, CNN piled on the session smear bandwagon when it published a story in late May 2017 accusing him of also failing to disclose contacts he had with Russian officials when he applied for a security clearance. The network quietly walked back the story months later when documents revealed that the FBI had advised session staff that he wasn't required to disclose foreign contacts that were related to his duties as a U.S. senator. Facts appeared to have gotten in the way of their reporting. End of chapter eight of Greg Jarrett's 
batshit the Russia hoax. So I'm excited for the next chapter, chapter nine, which is Flynn's firing, Sessions' recusal, and the canning of Comey. I can't imagine that's aged well. No, I don't think it has either. I can't imagine it's aged well as a chapter. Aged like a fine yogurt. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be fun, man. But I am excited to be back into this book. There are three chapters left for us to go through in it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we've never not had fun with these books, have we? Other no, than, than your constant disapproval of what we do with our lives. mostly because I like you as a person, though. If I had to read this on my own, <laughs> oh, I Oh, that was somehow it. touching, just a little I bit. <laughs> Made me feel a little bit good inside. That was, that was nice. That was nice. Look, look, we just need hope in these trying times, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> but yes, people, Donald Trump is done. Joe Biden's moving into the office. Uh, huge step up, regardless of what you may think about Biden's politics. Uh, it could not get worse than Trump. We all know that much. But if By the way, out- just I, I said this to you off air. Insane that this country has a two-month transition period, which <laughs> used to be four months. <laughs> Utterly insane. Yeah, but Benedict, they had to ride horses from wherever the fuck they were That's way back true. then. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit, I've been elected president out of California. Oh, yeah, I've like, got to gotta... get to fucking D.C. <laughs> all right, how, much, how many cans of beans can I pack on this fucking horse? God damn it. Uh, but that's it. That's it for this week's episode of the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Sabi Aquino, Glaurung the Deceiver, Danielle, Terrified. I, I always, I don't know where you came up with this name, but Terrified will be pecked to death by lame ducks. That always <laughs> makes me chuckle when I'm trying to read it. <laughs> Becky funny. Scott Fairley. And true. Yeah. Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taru Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all so much for being our patrons. That's all for this week's show. Till next time, Titans together. Goodbye. Bye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.